Hey, bookworms, do I have a deal for you? Right now, the Flight Attendant Joe series is available on Amazon, iTunes, Nook, and Kobo. That's fasten your seatbelts and eat your fucking nuts. Flight Attendant Joe and I'm Just Here for the Layovers, available on ebook and paperback. And here's a little secret that I don't want you to tell anyone, all right? This is just between us right now. Each ebook is only $2.99. I know, I know. But I did not fall and hit my head. I know exactly what I'm doing. And each one is $2.99 right now. The Flight Attendant Joe series, available on Amazon, iTunes, Nook, and Kobo. If you're looking for an inappropriate laugh, I've done all the work for you. All you have to do is sit back, read, and enjoy. If you enjoy listening to the Grounded with Joe Thomas podcast, please consider becoming a patron today. Visit www.patreon.com slash Grounded with Joe Thomas. There's multiple tier levels and each one of them comes with access to the Friday Debrief, which is a short little podcast episode I record on Friday mornings for patrons only. Of course, the podcast is always going to be free on all your podcast apps, but if you want to become a supporter and a patron of the podcast, you can. Just visit www.patreon.com slash grounded with Joe Thomas. Hey guys, Joe Thomas here. Are you like me? All summer long, I've been just anticipating and excited about the idea of traveling again. I just want to get out. I want to do something. I don't, when my husband asks me to go check the mail, I'm excited. Okay. I think just getting out of the house and doing something is the most exciting thing right now. I am so thrilled about the idea of being able to travel again that I'm planning my vacations out until 2025, just so I could look at them on a piece of paper and have something that I can look forward to. If you are right there too, and you're excited about travel, I want you to check out Robert and Edgar from The Getaway Guys. I have known Robert for over a decade, and he is very passionate about getting you the best deal for your vacation. They cater to airline employees, their parents, and airline retirees. And I don't know if you know this, but I am an airline retiree. And I'm going to be checking out their website when it's time for me to book my next vacation. They can get great low interline rates with no booking fee. No booking fee. Ladies and gentlemen, that means all that money that you would have been paying for a booking fee is just cash in your pocket, in your wallet, in your purse that you could spend when you're traveling and exploring and having the adventure of a lifetime. And LGBTQ plus travelers, I fall into that category as well. They're authorized sellers of Vakaya, Atlantis, and RSVP vacations. They're a one-stop shop. You can do everything on their website. Hotel, flights, car rentals, vacation packages. I want you to follow them on Instagram and Facebook at Getaway Guys Travel, and then go over to their website, thegetawayguys.com, and start looking for your next adventure because they're going to be there ready to book it for you. Again, that's thegetawayguys.com. Check them out now. Please do it. You deserve it. Hey, 
everybody, and welcome to Grounded with Joe Thomas. I'm glad you're here today. On episode 53, I am excited to have Calvin Joshua back, who was the second guest on this podcast back in January. Originally, he was going to be part of episode 52, and there was going to be three segments of interviews of OG guests. But our conversation was so impactful to me. I was like, I want this episode and this conversation to be one full episode. We talked about what happens when you're furloughed and holy shit, I've got to have a backup plan. I have to know what I have to do. I have to keep pushing. And how hard is it for us when there's so much negativity? How do we push through that, push through the negativity so we can get to the light and we can see who we really are? Ladies and gentlemen, I love him. Welcome Colin. Colin. I love him so much. I don't know his name. Welcome Calvin Joshua to the show. <laughs> I'm sorry, Calvin. Hey, everybody. Welcome Calvin Joshua back to the show. Calvin, I'm so, I've been waiting for this for weeks. I'm so excited. <laughs> hey, guys. You know I love you. And you were the second guest on this podcast back in January 21st. And when I decided that I wanted to do a Where Are They Now, I wanted to go back, way back in the beginning, and I just knew I was going to have you on the show because I remember you had me crawling all around the room with excitement the first time we ever talked. It was definitely an exciting conversation and so much has happened since then. <laughs> so much has <laughs> so happened much. since then. That's why you're here because I want to get caught up and I know everyone loves you and I know they're going to be wanting to know what's going on with Calvin Joshua and what's happened in the last eight months since we first talked. Life is so different now. Oh my gosh. I, whew, where do we, where do we begin? I don't Joe? even where know. Where do we begin? I don't even know, <laughs> but I, I want us to both be on the same page and know that we did not see this coming at all. No, definitely not. Uh, everything that, that we have opportunity to discuss today would not have been predicted um, from our last conversation. I'll tell you that much. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So what has been happening with you, Calvin Joshua? So last time we talked, um, I was working for an airline, which I can probably express now, um, was American Airlines. Oh, and okay. American <laughs> Airlines. Everyone always I thinks I work there, but no, I worked at JetBlue. That's so funny. I'm sure people are going to be like, oh, like we can connect the dots now. Yes, you can connect the dots. I was working for American Airlines. I'm still technically with American up until October 1st. Um, and for all intents and purposes, basically, I got furloughed along with a lot of us. It was about 8,000 plus flight attendants were furloughed um, as a result of the um, COVID-19 pandemic. So about around March, um, I want to say it was like March 15th, 16th. March 15th and 16th, I had to go to recurrent training to stay qualified to travel, to fly. And at that point, there was talk about coronavirus spreading into the States. But, you know, the way we in the, uh, America handle those kinds of things, memes galore, people are joking about it. It wasn't a big deal until shutdowns were announced. So I was at recurrent with a lot of anxiety that day, trying to understand if this was actually going to shut, like what was going to happen. Um, and I don't handle panic or pandemonium very well. So it reminded me, ironically, of a lot of the rapture movies I used to watch as a kid. Mm, <laughs> so yeah, yeah. I, re 
I read that Left Behind series. Do you remember that? I remember it like yesterday. Yeah, I read that. And so my brain is like in panic mode. I'm at recurrent, pinching myself so I don't pass out. Because all I keep thinking is, the world's about to end tomorrow. The world's going to end tomorrow. <laughs> so, you know, I'm at recurrent, like, oh my <laughs> gosh, what's going to happen? But um, by the time I get back to my base, um, after recurrent, you know, they announce these shutdowns and they start spreading nationwide. And um, so I immediately moved in with a couple friends of mine who asked me to, they invited me to stay with them because they didn't want me to be alone mm, during that. Nice. So they invited me. Yeah, it was, it was a really, really, I was, I felt very fortunate um, to be able to stay with them. And because none of us knew how long this thing would extend, I ended up living with them for two and a half months before I actually moved back to my own place. Um, during that time, you know, we just, all these different companies, including our airlines, started to say like, look, we don't know what's going to happen. And we're not in a financial place to be able to keep people employed beyond whatever assistance we're going to get from the government. So I knew that my job was in jeopardy because of my seniority. And I was concerned about what that would look like for my future. But I also knew I really wanted to shift out of flying into a more creative full-time role. So I instantaneously jumped on LinkedIn, Indeed, and any other um, job application site. And I was like, who's looking for videographers, video editors, video producers? I'm like, I will apply to any job worldwide. I think I applied to jobs in Malaysia. I was oh, like, wow. take me somewhere now. And so um, that, is, that basically turned into a couple of months of me job hunting. Um, even though the government gave a bailout and my job was intact all the way up until October, like most flight attendants and other airlines employees, I just knew I was like, I don't want to come back to flying. I knew at that moment, I was like, I don't want to continue flying anymore. Wow. That, that's an interesting, because so many people I talk to, they're like, I'm so afraid to be furloughed. I love this job. I want to fly. And you saw this as a, oh, this is an escape for me to finally leave. I knew I wanted to do this job for five years, but I ended up doing it for six and a half. Mm -hmm. um, when I entered into my, as I was entering my sixth year. So after I, we had our first talk in, in January, after the first podcast episode we did together, um, come March or excuse me, April 5th, Mar end of March, actually March 28th is my anniversary date. Okay. So March 28th, I had my anniversary date. And that basically marked six years. So it was a year longer than I had wanted to fly um, intentionally. I'd always said, I will keep this job as long as my other passions allow me to stay here. And I always wanted to work in film and television. So, yeah, it was, it was time for me. And this just couldn't have been a more motivating opportunity for me to really start looking at my life. And if I was going in the direction I really wanted to go. Do you think that if COVID-19 didn't happen and you weren't furloughed, you would have continued staying as a flight attendant? Or was the idea of leaving always bubbling up inside you? I did. That's a good question because I did start looking last August. Um, last year, around August, I started feeling kind of that itch to shift from flying and do more creative work. Um, I actually had a job offer last fall, but they wanted me to relocate. And I was like, mm, I don't want to relocate right now. I like the city I'm in and I still want to fly right now. Like I, I'd like to try to balance both out. 
but um, I think that with coronavirus, it definitely made me think like, do I really want to keep flying? Is this really what I want to do? Do I love flying that much? And honestly, I just realized like, I don't. I felt like my time was done. I, I felt it on the inside of me. I was like, I'm done. This is it. I'm finished. That's, you know, as, as rough. And, you know, I, when we talked in January, I did not expect not to be a flight attendant either anymore. And I, we have the same, that's the same thing that was happening to me. I wanted to leave, but I just thought like, well, why? I mean, it's pretty easy. It's simple. I'm here and I'm still able to do the other things that I want to do. And then when they offered early retirement, I was like, oh, you know, it, this is a, this might as well be a sign that just slaps me in the face. This, it is time to exit. It's such an interesting thing. Cause I always tell people that it's a sense, like a knowing, I call it when the grace runs out. I feel like we're all given grace mm. to do things in life, to do whatever it is. And like, even in the 168 hours a week, I always ask myself, what do I have grace for in that 168 hours? And whatever I don't have grace for will become more stressful because I'm trying to do what there's no grace to do. And so when I feel grace runs out, I have to take a step back and go, am I, is this, is this done? You know, it's even like in our, in our daily lives, like when you go to work, um, for those who know about the nine to five existence during that work day, if you're overstressing yourself, you have to kind of pull back and go, is there grace for what I'm trying to do right now? And if there's not, then I'm done for the day. And I think that with this job and any other job I've had in the past, I always can kind of sense when the grace is running out and I need to start looking at the next move. And I kind of knew last year, I was like, I'm not sure if this is where I need to be much longer or in a full-time capacity. And I kid you not, when coronavirus hit, it just instantaneously, it was like, the grace is out. I need to start mm. making my moves. Because you had like this instinct in you that said, oh, this is going to, this is going to snowball into me probably not being there anymore because of my seniority. So I better get my, pull up my pants and figure out what I'm going to do. 100%. I instant, I knew, I just, my friends and I, the, the friends that I stayed with, the couple that I, I was living with for two and a half months, we all knew that the shutdown was going to happen. Like they had basically said, you can come stay. If this thing shuts down, come stay with us. I moved in with them after I got back from recurrent, snagged mm-hmm. my bags. I moved in with them on the 16th. I think it was like two or three days later, there was like shutdown. So I felt really like that was when I was like, you need to pay attention to all of your instincts right now. Stay on. While others were relaxing, the three of us were on high alert mm-hmm. because we just knew choices had to be made. Now this couple, um, she's a flight attendant, really good friend of mine. And her husband is not a flight attendant, but the three of us just looked at this specific industry and together we were like, we've all got to start making choices. Right. <laughs> and they were also in the, in the same boat of making very, very significant life choices based on what was going on in March. Yeah. And in March, we still didn't even know. I, you know, when I go back, I actually, you know what, we're so much alike. Cause I had recurrent in March too. And it was the last thing I've ever done as a flight. I literally went to recurrent, never flew again, and then retired. <laughs> got, you basically got qualified to basically leave. Right. Got qualified <laughs> to take my flight benefits and leave. Now, <laughs> and that's exactly what I did. But now let me ask you, because 
and I want to get into what you're doing now and the videography, but when they tell you you're furloughed and we've, we're letting go of 8,000 flight attendants, do they tell you like, well, you know, in your seniority, you might be back at this time, or have you just completely said, I'm probably never going back? I kind of decided, so I put in for a leave for a two year leave. That was kind of like my game plan because the opportunity that they were offering for people taking a leave was too good to pass up. But then they announced the furlough numbers and what seniority that was going to hit. And they had already told us previously before leaves were granted that if furloughs hit our seniority, it would um, negate our leave request and we would be on the furlough list. So I was basically, they went all the way up to like 2013. Wow. And so those people who were hired after whatever the cutoff date in 2013 was, we all got furloughed. So my leave as it stands is canceled unless, you know, after this conversation, somehow Congress comes together and and offers another uh, airline bailout, then the leaves will get reprocessed and then I'll be on a two-year leave. So with that said, they did not give us an actual recall date. It's just a matter of when jobs become available based on flying demand from passengers, customers, and if people decide, you know, to retire between now and um, whenever. Whenever they call you guys back, if they do. Basically. Which they will eventually, probably. Exactly, exactly. So my my job is, I still technically still have a job. Right. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Now, when you're furloughed, when you're furloughed, you don't, so I don't understand the furlough thing. Do you still get to fly free or you just, you, it's like, oh, you don't work here anymore. If we need you, we'll call you back. So it's a mix of the two. We are considered retirees. So we have retiree flight benefits, but we don't have any additional things to go along with that. Okay. Um, so we can fly like retirees fly basically on a standby list where we come, we come after, um, employees that are still on the line um yeah same with me we, yeah same with me yeah so it's kind of it's that's kind of nice because it still keeps that intact i mean i don't know where there's to go outside of america <laughs> no one wants to take us right now no, we are, but, uh, we're those pariahs <laughs> of the planet I'm like, the oh planet. My everybody used to think oh the united states every, no but no we can't go anywhere we're stuck here i'm like when they said you know when it in the White House was saying oh. that he wanted to build a wall. We didn't realize it was around. Yeah, um, you can say whatever can you I? want. This is America. Okay. <laughs> the First <laughs> Amendment. Listen here. If everyone can spew all that crazy shit they do, you can say whatever the fuck you want. <laughs> I'm just, listen, I'm at a point where I'm like, and, and I'm sure you know this based off social media as of late. I'm at a point where I, I don't know what struck me this year. But I'm like, F it. I'm just going to say what I need to say. And if it, if it bothers people, I can't care anymore. And I've always kind of been controversial in that sense. But, you know, I've learned to just kind of let it let loose. But, yes, re- regarding it in the White House, um, that's what I like to call him. Because he's a, you know, he's this big old monster clown. Right. Uh, I usually, I, I, I hate saying his name myself. I like to, usually I'll say 45 which, oh, I don't even give him. You, that don't, even, you don't, even, I, I don't even. Give, I don't even give him that anymore. I'm like, you're just the monster. You're it. You are that monster clown that came out of the out of a different universe. You are the eater of worlds, and eater clearly, you are of, eating this whole 
<laughs> he is eating. He, he is snacking on the United States like it's a brisket. <laughs> exactly. You ever look at those those beady little eyes of his? It's so otherwise. He just looks like his soul okay. is. I, I have to share something with you. So there's this thing on my computer that, and you can, anybody can call me a triggered snowflake. They can call me anything they want because I give a zero fucks. But I have this thing on my computer that any photo that comes up of him turns it into a kitten because I can't you look. Need to send, send it, me the link for this. It's called Make America <laughs> Kittens Again. Oh, that's amazing. So that like if if I'm on Facebook or if I'm on social, if I'm just like looking at news and it's an article with him on it, it's it's like a picture of a of like kittens playing. And then I'm like, oh, I feel better. Oh, I'm going to so yeah, get that. I, say, yeah. I, I, I hate that he disgusts me. And I know that that's harsh, but he does. He disgusts me as a person. I'm like, you're a horrible person. You're not. You're almost not even human. Whatever demon. Hitler had, he's got that same spirit about him. Like, well, it's, it's all if, up in him. If anybody does any research on history, um, they will see um, a compelling argument that they both have the same kind of path that they're leading towards dictatorship. So, you know, unless, unless, you, unless you read your eyes or read history with your eyes closed, anybody can figure that one out. Yeah, that's, that's not even a that's not even anything jarring to say because if you know anything about history in World War II and the rise of Adolf, you can say, oh yeah, I can see how this is happening. All the lying exactly. and the fake news and the and the things that you you know the denying of science and the denying of professionals and believe me, why the fuck am I going to believe some rotty old fucking you know real um. What is it? I can't even think of it. Like um, celebrity realist. What is it? Help me out here. Um, reality. I'm thinking star. Ripley reality or star. reality. Star. You know, well, here's the Ripley's funny thing. I'm like, believe it or not, I don't believe what's going on, but it's really happening. <laughs> there's a building <laughs> in Orlando. Listen, there's that Ripley's believe it or not. That's Orla in Orlando and it's the building that's upside down. That's how I feel we are right now. <laughs> we are. And that's where I'm like, you know, the, the demon is unhinged. I just, yeah. I'm like, I just don't understand how he got this far, but that's where to, to go back to my point, like we can't go anywhere because while it was talking about building a wall against our borders, the borders themselves are like, Oh, F it. Don't let them come over here. We'll build, the, we will pay for this wall. Don't let this, as long as y'all don't come across here, we'll pay for the wall ourselves. And basically they all shut down on us. They're like, Nope, don't come here. We don't want you. Well, that's because they are, yeah. they are, Stay a little behind over there. Well, we don't have we don't have solid leadership, um, and we're we're, you know, I'll just say this one thing: we, the United States of America, with all of its flaws and scars throughout the centuries, was still one of the was the country in this on this planet that people looked up to, that people admired, that people thought, oh, the United States, strong, powerful. Now we're the laughing stock of the universe. So it's disappointing. It's yeah, painful to actually sad. know that very sad oh yeah you it's know. very sad and people deny that no people respect us i'm like again open take your hands away from your eyes because you're just denying reality but i want to and you know i could talk about this all day long <laughs> but i want to talk about you and i want to talk about so what is this history that you have in videography is that where you went is that what you got from school did you train in that or 
I actually studied print journalism. I always wanted to work in film and television, though. So I, when I was in middle school and high school, like I, entertainment just always drew my attention. Even in, specifically in elementary school, I was always attracted to entertainment. Mm-hmm. Um, and the whole, I think for me, like the, the, the intersection of music, film, fashion, like that entire place where it's all production. I love the theater. I love production. Um, and so when I was in high school, I really wanted to pursue that, but my mom and my dad did not feel confident about that becoming a steady career path for me because of how competitive, um, those industries are. And so I ended up making an alternative choice as a writer, a very gifted writer, and um, going after journalism. But while I was in journalism school, my broadcast journalism class, we had to edit and package our news stories. And I would just jam out in the editing bay. And I would just knock that stuff out right before it was due. And I loved it. And I was like, this is fun for me. And um, I was also using other editing software when I was in college to work on my own projects or projects for my church. Um, And yeah, I just always took a, a keen interest in that. So. I would do stuff here and there um, before I even became a flight attendant. And then when I did become a flight attendant, I was actually still connecting with other friends who I knew worked in the industry, um, in film and television and in music, and um, just sitting and talking with them about how they got in and how they were working on things. Um, And it was just like in my heart, I'm like, this is what I want. I want to pursue this. And um, yeah, it's just kind of like in the, the journey for me. And when you were a flight attendant, again, I always see such, and you might disagree with me, but I do see parallels in each other. I love to write. Um, you know, when I became a flight attendant, I started writing flight attendant stories. You came out with an album, Jump Seat T, and you were taking your creativity and you were like, oh, I'm a flight attendant. Let me put this spin on it. And now you're not, and you're going to continue your creativity. And I'm just, I've always just been a big fan of yours. Um your creativity and your you as a human being. So thank you again for coming on the show. But what, oh, of course. so you ended up finding a job, right? And can you say, can you tell me a little bit of what you're doing now? Sure. It's probably going to be a surprise for a lot of people because they're like, wait, you went from what to what? So I work as a video editor slash producer, helping create content um, for an esports organization called Dark Zero. Shout out to the Dark Zero guys. Um, it's basically an esports org is you look at like your traditional um, sports, football, basketball, baseball, the one that they use the sticks on ice, um, <laughs> hockey. <laughs> hockey. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> sticks on ice? What is he? Ta- is he talking about eating at a Chinese restaurant when it's cold? <laughs> I said, oh, he's talking about hockey. Oh, Lord. I shouldn't even smash on hockey like that. It's golf that I'm more like, I don't even know how that's a sport. But, um, but you know, I, eSports is electronic sports. And so these are gamers. These are guys who, guys and gals who play basically computer games. Mm-hmm. But the, when you look at it as a sport, it actually is a really incredible world. And they basically practice, like the org that I work for, we live in, well, I don't live here. But so the players on our roster, they play a video game, um, a computer video game called Rainbow Six Siege, created by Ubisoft. 
And um, we have five players. They live in a seven-bedroom, seven-bath mansion that just opened up in Vegas. Yes, you can look up the Dark Zero house reveal on YouTube if you'd like to see what this house looks like. It is phenomenal. It actually the real world or something. You know, it kind of has that vibe to it. The guys are all kind of like, they're all adorable. They're all nerdy, you know, young adults. And um, they love, they, they just love this. They love this game. And this is just one of the sports. So each game is kind of its own sport. So there's Rainbow Six Siege, which is what these guys play. There is, uh, I think Call of Duty is one, Fortnite's mm. another, Counter-Strike's another, League of Legends. These are all, you know, big games that apparently have, they draw massive spectatorship and and sponsorship and endorsements. And so the industry is still like growing, even in this pandemic. It's like everyone's online yeah, and they can play their games and people can watch on Twitch and, you know, Discord and all these other different places. So this is going to call out my age. But I don't, I still, I like, I heard everything you were saying and I understand what you're saying, but I'm the old man who's like, people, people get paid to play games. Like that's where my brain goes. I'm like, cause it's some of these insane. people are like millionaires. I was gonna say, it's insane. It is. This house is like, you know, a little buttercup house compared to some of these, the ones that are huge, like. I don't even want to say their names because they're kind of like annoying to me, but there are some that have like $30 million mansions where all of the players and content creators coexist. And it's insane because that for them is um, their, it's literally their ecosystem for building their brand. And each org will have either several different team rosters that participate in different games we only carry one roster and I'm really grateful for that because our, our CEO Zach has a really, really good direction with managing one roster right now while the org continues to grow. Mm-hmm. And he's thinking like, maybe we'll end up picking up new rosters. But in the meantime, we have one roster and a group of content creators that we want to help grow the org's presence online and beyond. But yeah, in, in, um, with these other orgs that are even bigger than us that have been around longer, I mean, they have players making millions because of their, their, you know, how much they play, what kind of sponsorship deals they have. Like they're little micro celebrities. Yeah. And they're making all this money. We need to figure out how to make money playing Monopoly. And I don't mean on the computer. I mean, like, a, a, a put a, grab my phone, open up a Monopoly, like give me $500 to start and pay me a couple million dollars. Because I'm frustrated. Yeah, I mean, Monopoly tournaments would be quite interesting. I will say, if they were to go fun. back and do like a Hasbro or a, a Parker Brothers, Milton Bradley type of championship game, I would be, I'd be into it. I would be too, but you know, I remember the first time I heard about this esports where people watch. Where it's where people watching other people just play a video game, and I thought I was being pranked. I was like, "Is Ashton Kutcher going to come in? Like, am I? Is this punked?" But no, it's real. And now you work in that environment. I thought it was the most ridiculous thing the first time I ever saw it. I mean, stadiums packed with people yes. watching other people 
play on their computer. They're not I even playing the game. They're not even playing. Like, at least when you go to a Beyonce concert or something, you're like, oh, yeah, I'm involved. I'm dancing. But to just sit there with a, co- a Diet Coke and a hot dog and you're watching someone else have fun, I, I don't I, – I, that doesn't make sense to me. But, hey, I mean, if, there, if it brings joy to people, that's cool. And during a time like this, it really has. I'm looking at – you know, people are at home. They don't know what's going on in the outside world, which is is difficult. I know for a lot of young people, especially. Well, one of the things I realized is they all, as you know, savants of the internet, mm-hmm. gravitated directly to TikTok, as we all know, but also to esports, to Twitch, to YouTube, to their games. They're all connecting with one another, and this is for them. A state. It's their safe space. Sure. From all the BS out there, even for me, I'm like when I started when I got uh, brought on board back in June, part time, before I got the full time offer. I was watching the games, and I'm like, I see this. It's a community, mm-hmm. and there's camaraderie between the different orgs. There's camaraderie between the different rosters. There's, you know, I'm still learning this whole thing. I mean, there's such. When you're when you don't know what's going on and you finally get introduced to it, there's a lot that's been happening that I had no idea what's going on. It's almost like this underground world. Right. But um, some of the people that I work with, they start drop. They like start name dropping some of these bigger names in mm-hmm. the Rainbow Six Siege world, and they don't use their regular name. These are people who use gamer tags. So they're like, "Oh yeah, Kicks is talking about." Super, who's talking about iconic, and I'm like, who are these humans? Like <laughs> the only mononym like typo. I forget what the term is, but like when it's like that one main person, you know, I only know Madonna, I know Beyonce, right? <laughs> like, Lady Gaga, that's about it, right? I think yeah. like, those are the only names that I can rock with. But you're over here talking about, you know, these like hyper, which is he's on our team, such a, such a cool kid, uh, hot and cold, uh, mint. I'm like, Did you, I don't um, hold, understand this. Rewind. Did you say mint? Like, my bath is bad. Can you pass me a mint? Yes. Okay. Am I, I, I like it. Mint. You know what? I actually like that one. Our team, we have a, our team has more, like, I think they've got legit gamer tag names. Like, Eclipse, Skies, Mint, Hot and Cold, Hyper. It's just, they all sound like, you know, they're going to jump on a bunch of ninja bikes and, like, roll down, like, the streets of Tokyo. And you got me ready to watch this. <laughs> it's, you know, when so they should play, be in their marketing department. I mean, I do do the video editing. So, and I do help produce content. So that's, that's fun. So you do the, so are you doing video editing for the show of them in the house or just when they're playing for you, like YouTube? It's any content that we have getting, that's exiting out of here. So okay. um, we have a couple of other content creatives on our team who will package the more smaller content, but any heavy duty type of content that's going out on YouTube or to our uh, brand partners and whatnot. That's the stuff that I work on in conjunction with my boss, Jordan and Jordan basically. And I, we collaborate on coming up with ideas and how that's all going to go out, the style that it's going to go out in. Um, And so that can range from our, merchandising our merchandise shoots because we have merchandise um we have our house reveal that we did so any type of content that we've got um that's what we 
we basically edit and produce. Well, that's, so it's, it's, that's cool. it's all kinds of stuff that goes on here right now. Well, you sound very um, excited about it, which is good. And I'm so happy too, because you know, you, you have somebody come on the podcast who's been furloughed from the airline. You're like, Oh God, this, this could go hot or cold, just like that guy's name. And, um, <laughs> We don't know what's going to happen. And you come on like, oh, no, I just had to do, I had to flip the script and restart. And I love you for that. I love that. I've always had that kind of like, I've, I've been through some, you know, I'm 34. I'll be 35 in November. Stop rubbing that shit someone. in. Don't be rubbing <laughs> that in. I'm just kidding. I feel old. Oh, Listen, stop it. Like I said, these are some, these are like 20 year olds that I'm around. So right. okay. I feel I was like telling someone, I was like, yeah, have you ever played, um, I forget what system I told him. He was like, uh, no. And I was like, oh my gosh, let me moonwalk out of here. These people don't know. These people were not None. even born in the nineties. Probably. They are yeah, babies. Yeah, babies. I'm like, oh, this is so weird. I mean, I think the youngest one had to have been born in either 99 or 2000. Mm. Cause he's not even, he's not 21 yet. Right. I'm like, how <laughs> in the world? And they're driving like beamers. And, oh God! Don't you know, all, I'm like, oh my gosh! And you're like, yeah. I just got off a stint of being a flight attendant. I'm taking Uber, and I hope I get a discount. <laughs> and people make fun of me because I ride around. I'm in Vegas, and I'm riding around Vegas with my little scooter. Ding ding, <laughs> oh. my little ding ding bell on it. My little gold. I like my little scooter, and I live about five minutes driving from the org house. So oh, I literally good. like. Hop on my scooter. Take me eight minutes to get here. I'm good to go. That's good. And so, yeah. so is do you have any? Do you miss being a flight attendant at all, or has it really not even sunk in? Um, it hasn't sunk in yet. I think the hard part for me was leaving Philadelphia, which is was my that was home for me for six and a half years. Mm -hmm. And when I I remember when I had my last trip oh my gosh i'm gonna start crying right now Aww. it did kind of hit me it was like i moved to this city because of being a flight attendant and i'm leaving this city not as a flight attendant. right and that was hard uh, my yeah. friends you know some of my friends ended up moving like like I said, a lot of my friends were all making very hard choices this year the, everything changed and for not just externally but internally and you know, when I started to realize, like, my life is not what I, I, I couldn't have predicted this. There was no preparation for this. It hit me. That, that's what hit me. And I, I've had a couple of moments where I just cried. Like, I need to process the good and the bad. And I was kind of avoiding that because it was a lot. It was a lot to really process at once. Um, I don't think it's really settled in me that I'm not a flight attendant because I really went from one job to the next kind of instantaneously. Sure, right. Um, I think that's going to happen when I go to the airport again at some point and see people who are flight attendants like, holy crap, I used to do this, you know? Yeah. I'm worried about getting arrested when I try to go through KCM and they're like, your retired badge does not work, sir. I'll be like, oh, no, no, because the idea of going through security makes me want to just drive across the, across the ocean. Um, that part. <laughs> God, I hate that. But no, I was just, I was curious because I know that you moved, like you said, you moved to Philadelphia, you left Philadelphia as a flight attendant um, without being a flight attendant. And I wanted to just know how you're thinking of that emotionally right now. So that's why I asked that question. I, that's the part that's like, you know, it, it really makes this whole year feel 
surreal. Kind of, it's like, am I dreaming? Even when I come to work and it's like, a, it's a great job. And there are moments where I'm like, am I dreaming? Am I like awake or, mm. you know, did I catch, did I catch the virus and die? And I'm just in oh. a dream now. Like, you right. know, like what's really going on? Like it all feels so, it, it just feels like this can't be happening because it's been, you know, there's a lot of good mixed in with a lot of bad. It just feels so it was, it's a harsh reality for me. It's what it is. Um, do you, not being a flight attendant is a harsh reality. It happened. It was a switch that happened this year. Not even like a, like a, like a, you know? Yeah, no. Yeah. Like, like I said, when we talked in January, who would have thought when we talked again in September that we would right. both not be flight attendants anymore? Exactly. Because the tra- it, there was no transition. No, there transition. Was no real transition. No. And it's like, you know, I've been, I've been a nurse. I've had so many jobs. I'm going to get ready to do my, my third career of my life. And nothing seems, you know, people who were never crew, never flight attendants don't understand that it really gets into your DNA and it almost becomes like your identity. And that's 100%. what I was, do you, under, do you agree? I, that's what I was having such a hard time with, you know, in April when they said, you know, we're offering the early retirement and I, I applied for it and then they took forever because that's how the airlines are. And finally I found out it, I had to go through this whole thing. It was like breaking up with someone and mm. it was almost like having a part of me taken out. And I had to keep reminding myself, Joe, you, you know, your identity is not a flight attendant. You have, yeah, of course your name's flight attendant Joe, which I've squashed now and is he's retired too. But it's like that moment of this isn't, you're not a flight attendant. You are a flight attendant. It is your job. It is not your identity. And that's the thing that I had a hard time with. And once I was able to say, you're right, it's just a job. It's not who I am. I'm so many other things. It was easy to say, okay, that chapter's done. Now I'm excited for the next one. And I think that was also part of the process for me because a lot of what I had been doing creatively centered itself around being a flight attendant. I had a web series about the life of a reserve flight attendant. I came out with an album that Mm -hmm. was a concept around, you know, the reality of being a flight attendant. And, you know, there were other projects I got, I was very privileged to work on and they were for other people completely outside of being in the airline industry. And thankfully I had those because those were projects I was able to present with my resume to get a job as an editor for another company. And um, that kind of began to help me to realize, like I definitely want to pursue life outside of flying. But yeah, like the harshness of this reality is that even you know, when I looked at what I've already created in the past and other things, I'm like, I, I don't really fit in here. Now I'm in some flight attendant groups. I'm really grateful for that. Um, but there is that kind of sense of like, they're, they're all talking about the flights that they're still working and some of the challenges they're facing or, you know, some of the things they're going to be missing. And I'm like, I don't, this isn't me anymore. Right. It, it is a, right. it is a, it is a, it is kind of a sense. It's a, it's an interesting sensation. It feels I'm not freeing. sad. It, uh, yeah, I'm not sad. I just, mm. I'm looking at it from a, a different place. Yeah, I feel free. When I see people complaining <laughs> on social media about their flight, I'm like, oh yeah, I could care less. Like, I don't, there's that <laughs> one, 
I do. I do. Sli- you know what I miss? I, I miss just like uh, the chapter of my last, my, the title of my last book. I'm just here for the layovers. Exactly. I, I was really just there for the layovers. And now that I can fly for free. All right. Okay. Well, I'll just go hang out with my friends on their layovers. Once the world gets back to normal a little bit. Exactly. That's really what I think. I'm like, it's just different. It's not, it's just different. And you know, I no longer feel like Ariel looking in being like, oh, I want to be part of your world. I'm like, it's more like I was part of that world and bye. <laughs> now it's over, <laughs> right? People, so many right. people, and, and I'm guilty of this too. I, I always, I always preach like new chapter, new chapter, you know, a long time ago, probably before you were born, like 1997 or something. And, um, <laughs> And I lived in Fort Lauderdale with some friends and I was going to leave Fort Lauderdale and um, I was very young. I was like 23 and I was going to move back to Orlando to go to nursing school. And I was Mm -hmm. crying and I was having such a hard time with this transition. And the, the girl that I lived with, she sat me down, my roommate, she sat me down and she goes, life is like a book and you can't get through the book unless you get through each chapter. And this is just a new chapter in your book. So don't think of it as a bad thing because when you're reading a book, you want to get to the next chapter because you want to know how your story plays out. And what was 97, like 23 years ago? And I still to this day try to live by that. So when anything jarring or huge happens in my life, I'm like, Joe, don't get crazy. It's just a new chapter and you just have to keep pushing forward through the book. That's a really, I needed to hear that today because it's still like that part of me going, I mean, I mean, I didn't just start a new job, you know, I moved I, my whole, I always keep thinking about uh, the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air song with Will Smith when he says my whole life got flipped upside down. Mm-hmm, yep. I'm like, oh my gosh, it did. I'm starting and a whole new everything. And it's, it does, there's a grieving process. I don't care what anyone says. You can be excited about change. You can be excited about choices, but there's a, there's a part that has to let, you have to let go of because you can't exist in two places at the same time, no matter how much you think you'll be able to. And, um, I did, I had to let go of a lot and I'm still letting go. I'm still having to, especially because I think it's slowly sinking in. You asked earlier, has it all automatically fully set in? I'm like, no, I think it's still, I think I'm still getting there. I think I'm still processing the fact that what was literally eight months ago and truthfully, what was even five months ago, it, that's not anymore. It's not that anymore. And um, it's not because there was planning, preparation, transition. No, it, it just happened. So right. I still have to kind of recognize that I'm not what I was. I'm not who I was even in June. So, um, yeah, yeah. You, so it's, you, it's, a, it's a process. But you, but this, this push, this push of COVID-19 and the furlough, this is probably the push that you needed to get out of that path that you were on because you said you only wanted to be flying for five years and now it's six and a half that you've been an employee there. So this is almost like the universe saying, yo, you're a year and a half past your plan. And if you continue staying here, you're not going to see how great you can actually be. And that's nothing against flight attendants because being a flight attendant is fantastic. But for you personally, you, there's way more in this universe for you, Calvin. And now you have that opportunity to open up to those opportunities. And I definitely feel that. And actually what you're saying, I think applies to everyone. And I hope those who are listening, who have been, 
you know, really affected by this and they're, they can't see the other side of the rainbow with this. I think what I had to look at it as is, um, we were all shocked by this pandemic. The whole world came to a standstill. It does not matter what your life looked like or what you were doing. We're all impacted by this. And I think that we all have to take time to, to like decide what is my life about? That was me. I was like, you said, I'm, I'm this flight attendant six and a half years in, and I really feel like I'm not launching into my creative destiny that I want. I've always said I wanted. So this pandemic hit and it was like, well, shoot, I need to do something about my life now because I could either make the transition now and not be a flight attendant anymore or wait until I'm furloughed and still not be a flight attendant anymore. So what is it? You know, I, I, I need to make some choices. And I think for everyone who is facing the uncertainty, I just say press into it. If there's other things that you've had on your heart before, and I know even for people in my industry who are like, all I ever wanted to be was a fight attendant, you can and eventually will still have that, right? right. That's not 100% taken from you. But in the meantime, what else is on your heart? And if this pandemic pauses you to really think about, well, what is my life really about? Dive into that. It's not, it's actually, I think, a good thing to experience some challenges that force us to recognize and, and, and have a reckoning with what our purpose is. What are we doing? What direction were we even going in? Um, even, and I think this whole country, America specifically, has gone into this tailspin of who are we really? What are we really about? You know, there's so much unrest that's gone in our country since the pandemic hit. So much. And I keep saying, I'm like, this is the great awakening. We needed this. Yeah. It sucks. But all that stuff that was covered up, that's being exposed, would it have really come to this exposure had it not been for COVID-19? I'm not saying I'm grateful for COVID-19. I'm not excited about the pain this has caused us. What I'm saying is leaning into it, we can really learn a lot from this about ourselves, about our country, about our world. And I think as Americans, we can go, 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 go. Right this is an opportunity to really pause and go, well, what are we, what are we living for? And I am personally grateful that it has forced me to ask, what am I living for? Because now I'm realizing I wasn't living my life purposefully anymore until I made the move. I had to, I had to, yeah, I think I, I hope other people get that same opportunity. Right I am. Um, I think that I think your message is perfect. And I completely agree with it. And I, you know, COVID-19, horrible, horrible thing to happen. But also, this has been a, an incredible learning experience for every human being in this country on this planet, if they chose to learn from this experience. And not just say, Oh, it's this and it's this and it's not real. It's not, it's, it's, this, this was the opportunity for Americans to come together like they did on September 12th. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't, I, I, I didn't see that happen yet. I mean, maybe it will, but I remember in like the middle of the summer or maybe even like May when we were still all sitting at home and nothing was happening. And I was like, this is, this is almost like a test from the universe of people having to learn how to just be alone or how to be with their thoughts. They can't, 
just run out and see people. They can't use the excuse of, I'm not going to deal with my own bullshit because I can just focus on everything else. It was like people had to really look at themselves in the mirror and deal with their bullshit. And I just yeah. thought that's important for humans that I don't think a lot of people do. I think they ignore their own stuff and COVID-19 kind of made people have to face each other and themselves. I think that that's, that's it. And, you know, we're a country that as a people, we are afforded tremendous liberties. We know this, we have a constitution that protects that, but we, I think we have to also be a country that remains um, open to changes and not rely on one document that needs to need it also we need to see ourselves like are we really using our liberties and these freedoms the right way mm -hmm. because look at where we look at where we are right now yeah. we're a mess COVID-19 has exposed that we are a mess oh yeah and Russia, left to our Russia's own, sitting back laughing they're like yep this is good Right. Left to our own devices, we don't necessarily know how to use, <laughs> do things very well. And no. we don't know how to respect one another. Like you said, we, this should have brought us closer together. And, and sadly, we're not all on the same page. But yeah. if people really pause and, like you said, take this time to, to acknowledge, what am I doing? Am I, be, am I using my time, my talent, my resources to build for others or am I doing it selfishly for myself? And frankly, a lot of selfish people are wild and out right now because they're like you said, they're uncomfortable. They're so uncomfortable. They are This pandemic has said, you don't get to be selfish. And people are just like, why not? I, I'm an American. I should have all the things that I want. I'm an American. I should be able to do whatever I want. You know, it's right. whether you believe it's a hoax or not, it's you gotta, you either gotta level up or sit or, or, or face the consequences. And it's not helping the rest of us who've been trying to do right, right. you know, to have to deal with this. And um, even in my industry, like these guys, they were quarantined in their house. I'm sure they didn't care too much. They play video games all day. <laughs> in a mansion. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> they were quarantined. Well, before they moved here, they were in Houston. They were oh. quarantined for months. They didn't do really much of anything. And um, now that we're here, of course, they have more space. They got a beautiful pool. I know that they love that. But we don't have the luxury of being able to just spend time with a bunch of people. Like that's that's just not a thing. And if that if that was an opportunity, they'd be playing their tournaments and their games in stadiums. That's not a thing right now. Right. That experience, that life, that's not real because other people just can't get it together. You know. Yeah. And that's, I'm sure people probably listening to be like, "Are you really complaining?" about not being able to leave a mansion. I'm like, if you realize what being stuck, even in a mansion is actually like with a bunch of people. <laughs> well, anybody being stuck anywhere for a long period of time sucks. So, you know, if you live in a studio apartment, that sucks. But if you live in a big house and you can't leave, that still sucks. It's still being a prisoner inside your home, no matter what. There's, like I said, there's good and there's bad with this whole thing. Right. But it's also within that we have to keep pausing and saying, with this good, what can I, what can I do with it? And with what's not good, what do I need to learn from it? This is all, we are going through the greatest life lesson. I think this generation can go through. Mm, yeah. um, we were so comfortable 
and whether it's battling a, a disease we don't know about much about, whether it's battling furloughs, whether it's battling letting go of a place that we've called home for a certain amount of time, you know, all of these different changes that we're facing that we have to grieve, we should be able to say, I'm not as great as I thought I was now that this is not mine anymore. Mm. So who am I? What am I really about? And am I living for myself or am I living with purpose for everyone else? I love that message. And I think that's so important. And I think somebody, people like you and I who were like, okay, this is the opportunity to follow our real dreams or just, or just live for ourselves, follow our own agenda. I'm on this thing right now because my therapist a couple weeks ago told me I was talking about something. Oh, I want to do something, but I'm a, I don't want people to say anything. And he goes, Joe, honor your own agenda. Don't worry mm-hmm. about what other people are going to think. And I was like, I want, that's amazing. I wish I would have thought of that. <laughs> I mean, that's where I needed to hear that too, because that's where my heart is lately. I'm like, if I keep caring, what this is going to mean to someone else. Not only am I not going to feel fulfilled, but the people who matter that need me to show up for them, I, they're, I'm, I'm not doing them. I'm doing them a disservice. Right. There are people right now that need me to show up and be my best self because of the impact I hope will happen for them. But if I'm holding back because I'm concerned about what Boo Boo the Fool over there is going to think, mm-hmm. you know, then really right. it's a disservice. You can't, worry, you can't worry about Boo Boo the Fool and mm-hmm. about what he wants to do. And um, I think that's so powerful. And I think that you are on the right path. I, I hear the excitement in your voice, I but I also sense the the slight fear of I'm not a flight attendant anymore. This is a new path for me, but also the excitement and that's the thing that's going to project you to greatness, Calvin. You have it. You have everything. You. you have everything you need now to be the Calvin Joshua that you're supposed to be. I appreciate that. You're always encouraging me. And I'm like, you really do. You just, you make me feel like encouraged. Well, I, and, I, and I truly believe, I truly mean this from the bottom of my heart. I will never forget the time a friend of mine sent me one of your videos and said, you need to watch this man. <laughs> and I was like, I love him so much. And then I was able to have you on the podcast and I just know you're going to be great, whatever you do. Yes. And we, we still have to link up because now I'm living on a different coast. Listen, you. <laughs> listen, I'm going to be in Arizona for three weeks, only like 40 miles from Vegas in the entire month of December. So trust me, we will get together and I will finally meet you. And I might cry because I'm a big fan. <laughs> oh, listen, listen, I get crazy with celebrities. You're going to be like, okay, stop stalking me. We're actually having coffee together. <laughs> you don't have to be taking, <laughs> don't be taking so- pictures without me knowing it. If you want to take a selfie, we'll take one. oh calvin well listen i've kept you long enough thank you for coming back on i i am so excited to talk to you again if there's thank you for having me again i love it you're you're amazing if there's one thing you can tell our listeners right now one last thing a bit of advice from you what would it be dream dream and lean into that dream use this time right now to really dream and lean right on into it. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. And that's what it is. It's right. Fear keeps us from, from really following our hearts. 
It's always fair. Thank you, Calvin. You're fabulous. And I cannot wait to meet you. I'm going to meet you in December. If I have to walk from Arizona over the Hoover Dam (laughs) to to Las Vegas, I'm going to do it. I'm doing it. Thank you, Calvin. I love you, Joe. I love you too. Take care. Okay. Be safe. Okay. Bye-bye.